Hello and welcome to the Q York podcast. It's great to have you with us today and we hope that as you listen, you'll be inspired as we continue on our shared quest together. This podcast is entirely free and yet it's not cheap to put together and wouldn't be possible without the generosity of our supporters. So if you consider yourself a supporter of Q, then please head to qyork.co.uk and hit donate to show your support today because there really is no Q without you. Thank you and enjoy today's message. Hi, welcome. <coughs> Just uh, up front, if we run a few minutes over tonight, um, don't worry about your kids, we'll still give them a good half an hour, so bear that in mind. We're welcome. It, it seems that circumstances <coughs> conspired for us not to have our anniversary of Q on our anniversary, which would be next week, because uh, Chris and I will be in, in Salt Lake pursuing our purposes there. Um, but in some ways, I, I think it's probably, it's probably right that it's worked out this weekend, because this is actually, rather than the anniversary of the beginning of Q, is the anniversary day of the, of the end of The Rock, actually to the very date, the, the 13th. And um, I remember saying back then when we had decided we needed to move from being The Rock to being Q and kind of trying to share what we were about, um, how I had had a spell check mistake on, uh, on something that I had been writing from a phrase that I was very common with, the phrase being one of the late Brennan Manning, who said, you will not be measured by the good that you do, but by the grace you accept. And uh, I remember when I, I got to talk about that, I, I looked down at my notes and, and I read what the correction was, and it said, you will not be measured by the good you do, but by the grave you accept. And uh, when you talk about, if any of you that understand the term Freudian slip, it means that something comes out that you didn't intend to say, but it's more the truth and reality of what you wanted to say. And uh, so I think that what was brought out then was very significant. And I think the reason that we are, by anniversary, a year on from that is because I'm not sure yet that we have fully resolved the issue of what we have to leave and what has to die to the extent where we can now celebrate the life that is coming. Now, some of you may struggle with our journey as Q. I thank you for your faithfulness. For those of you who don't fully understand, and I appreciate that trust is involved. And uh, some of you may not <clears throat> appreciate or understand even the video that we showed about Sir Walter Raleigh, because you might think, why? And yet every one of us are the beneficiaries of somebody who said this is not enough. This is not where we should be. When I first moved to York in 1962, as a six-year-old boy, uh, we moved into a house with damp walls, no central heating, just coal fires, for those of you who remember what coal was, uh, and um, ice on the inside of the windows in winter, not on the outside, some of you remember those days, and an outside toilet, 
which we had for at least the three, first three, four, five years that I lived there. So when you went to the loo, now you went to the toilet, which was in an outhouse outside with gaps bottom and top of the door, no light. I mean, God forbid that you would have the luxury of a light, which of course in the dark months was terrifying for a kid when you're in there, as well as being utterly freezing, and you put your coat on to go to the toilet. And some of you will know the problems that winter caused when you had to have the paraffin lamp in there because invariably the pipe to the system would freeze and then, of course, you were up the creek without a paddle. It was just... But somebody at some point said, back-to-back terraced houses with shared communal toilets down the yard are not where we should be. And it might sound like nothing, but one person's vision that said we should endeavour for every occupant of a house in this country to be able to have their toilet and bathroom inside with running water and heat, we take for granted, but somebody had a vision that had to change things. Now, that's a minor thing, but all of us are beneficiaries of somebody who said, this must change. Throughout the history of the church and the history of the gospel, there are people who've said the same thing. Now the problem is because we know some of these ancient characters like William Booth of the Salvation Army and people like uh, John Wesley of the Methodists and all these people, we now can look back at them and think that what they did is the way, but what they did when they did it was not the way. So John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, had to stop being an Anglican vicar if he was going to press and pursue his perception and view of the gospel that was gripping his heart that he wanted to share. And so the rock was very dear to my heart. It was very much a a reflection of who I had been and who I was at that time and what I desired. But there came a point when we had to move on. There came a point when that's not who I was. There came a point in my journey to try and understand the gospel, the good news of God and his presence and humanity outside of some of those established models that made us need to become Q. And uh, one of the things that, that... that has been on the slide, there's one of the slides we've got, is that ships in the harbour are safe. But that's not what ships were made for. And uh, the truth is, you can take that another step and say, ships, ships are not made to do pleasure trips around the harbour or the odd venture out into the bay. They're made for the open seas. They're for adventurers and pioneers, for discoverers and questioners, for wanderers and wanderers. Because something at the heart of us has always relied on people who were willing to say, what's beyond that? What's next? If we leave the safety of where we are, if we leave the security of our familiarity, what is there? That, is there something that we should discover? Is there something we should be finding? And God forbid that we would have the arrogance and audacity to believe that everything we need to know about God and the beautiful gospel, we have already buttoned down and can stay on the shore of that knowledge, never having to move. That is an arrogance that I cannot accept because God is bigger than that. His heart is more gracious than that. And so our hearts have been set to say, not where have we been and what have we done, but where do we need to go? Now, the problem with exploring, like, like Walter Raleigh said there, he said, you have miles and miles of just all you can see is sea. And then you see a smudge on the horizon. That's all it is, like a mist, like a smudge. And you sail for days. 
I feel like that. I feel that we are still, in essence, and I wish I could give you more encouragement, we're still looking at a smudge on the horizon that day by day gets a little bigger. But then he said, then you come. And I love the way he said, then on the third day, which has some massive implications on the spiritual perspective. On the third day, you see it. And there it is, land. And that's what we're looking for. It's the place where we need to be, where we find a fresh and new understanding of what the gospel means and how we relate that to the community, to ourselves, and help people. Because we're all beneficiaries of someone who believed and looked for a new world. And I hope at least you can get the principle and perspective of that. But I love what what Queen Elizabeth, who was the other character on there, Elizabeth I, said to Walter Raleigh as they were leaving this encounter where he so passionately explains about, and, and, and she receives with great intrigue, this whole idea of pioneering, of moving forward, of discovering what they call the new world. Now, the new world that they were discovering, some of you will know as America. There were others that were known as New World. We now know them as countries. We don't know them as New World because now they're not New World, they're Old World. But back then it was New World. Anything that you discover that is, that is fresh and is a change is New World. And we're looking for New World because we believe that God has more that we need to discover. But I love what she said. She says, Mr. Raleigh, do we discover the New World or does the New World discover us? The new world can only discover you if you get on the ship and leave the safety of the shore, and that's where we've placed ourselves. I forgot it was me again. The one who just got down. I love that slide. Uh, Thanks to Jenny and her obscure... uh, way of thinking. We came up with this intriguing English word, codywample, to travel in a purposeful manner towards a vague destination. And uh, our Jen put that on, uh, on Facebook and we picked up on it and uh, sent it to us and uh, thought, yeah, that's just a great description of, of where we are at the moment. We are codywampling. You are all a bunch of codywamplers. <laughs> uh, some people worry about the idea of a vague destination because we've sort of been given this idea that on the Christian, in the Christian life, the Christian experience, we sh- it should just be uh, all a bunch of certainties. My, my great challenge to that would be a word that we have greatly lost in the context of spirituality certainly in most aspects of Christianity, that was incredibly significant from the very beginnings of Christianity. And incidentally, Jesus was never a Christian. He was those who caught something that said, we need to, after this, we need to hold this man's name. But, but they took the name because actually they were on a journey. They were on a journey of uncertainty coming from religious backgrounds and various backgrounds where they had to make sense of what was completely to them a brand new thing that was nothing like what they previously experienced. And so we got the word, which you'll be familiar with when I mention it in English, pilgrimage. 
A pilgrimage was something you engaged on to discover something, to discover something about truth, to discover something about yourself, to discover something about the world, to discover something about life, to discover something about the divine. And the very fact that you went on a pilgrimage was a declaration of Codiwampolin. I'm traveling in a purposeful manner, but towards a vague destination. Because if the destination wasn't vague, then the truth is you wouldn't need to be a pilgrim. It was all about this discovery. I don't know everything, I don't have everything, but I know that if I take the journey, if I go in the direction, I'm going to find something that will be life-changing and life-giving at the same time. And so what we're trying to do is codiwample at the moment. The destination might still be a little bit vague, but the purpose is not. And at the root of our purpose as Q is the whole idea that quest is the root of question. When you put I-O-N on the end of a Latin word, it denotes the action of the word. The action of a quest is a question. You cannot be on a quest if you don't have a question. So if you're on a quest, you have to have a question. If you've got no questions, then you're not on a quest. And I want you to get on the quest because the truth is there's lots of questions that you should be asking. If there's one thing I've discovered about the divine, about God, and you know, there are some different views on his actuality, his presence, his being, his essence. But if there's one thing that I've discovered over the last few years is that God is in no way afraid of my questions, but seems to welcome my questions. Because the truth is you can learn nothing new in the absence of question. And the reason some of you never learn anything new about God or about the beautiful gospel or spirituality is because you don't have a question, but you should have a question. Find a question. Get on a quest about the world, about how the world works, about what's happening in the world, about you, about who you really are. Raise these up because you will find that Jesus said, all you are weary and heavy laden, which I find questions tend to do, (laughs) come to me and I'll give you rest. Why? Because in those questions and on that quest, we begin to find our way towards the thing that we were looking for, that new horizon, that new place, that new, that new encounter, that new experience. And so in our Codiwampolin, there's one thing that I do know I'm not unsure about, and that is we have sought to raise a culture where people who are questioning can do so without embarrassment or shame regardless of the content, context, or nature of their question, but to know without any condemnation or rejection, they will be engaged and we will walk together a journey to lead them to the one who I believe is the source of all peace and all truth and all of life. And that's what we're trying to do in all of this. So let's codiwample together on a quest of discovery. What I don't want this to be like is the merry-go-round at the fair where there's a lot of music and movement, but in the end, you haven't gone anywhere. And I don't like to be critical, but, but having spent a lifetime in church, I think sometimes that has tended to be what church has become, like the merry-go-round at the fair. Lots of music and movement. In the end, you haven't gone anywhere. You've just had an experience, but haven't gone anywhere. We're looking to go somewhere, and in doing so, to bring something hard to our, uh, something life to our world. 
we've tried to introduce into the conversation things that are essential life tools. And that's part of how we've structured our Sunday night. See, we could do the merry-go-round. But what we've tried to do is structure our Sundays in a way that we have a conversation about the things that are really essential life tools, free of the pressure and condemnation that are associated with the dogma of religious belief. And so I want you to see just a little review of some of the things that we've dealt with. A um, couple of things. One earlier I, I, uh, I said about if, if you don't have a question, then you're not on a quest. And I realise for some of you that might be intimidating. Um, that's the reason why we're doing what we're doing on Sundays and Wednesdays, is because if you're not the kind of person who formulates what those questions might be, we are here to serve you by formulating those questions so that then you might wrestle with them because you might not think about them yourself. For example, how many of you have ever stopped to think about the significance of your own breathing and whether that may have some eternal perspective that you had never considered, which Betty beautifully introduced, because in the Hebrew language, the name of God cannot be spoken. It's just made up of four letters. Y-W-V-H. Is it Y-W-V-H? Or Y-H? Y-H, yeah, Y-H-W-H or Y-H-V-H, depending on, on where you come at it from. And they're only consonants with no vowels. And it's, you can only breathe the name. You cannot speak it. It's unspeakable. So even some of those principles that you may never have thought about and understood that when a child breathes in and breathes out at birth, it breathes the name of God... And when a loved one passes away into eternity, as they breathe in and breathe out, they breathe the name of God. There's something dynamic and beautiful and wonderful that takes me beyond the condemnation of a gospel that says only a few selected people are going to make it who pray the right magic words and do the right things. Now, I think there's a time for an encounter personally that connects us with God the divine and with all that he has done for us. But the truth is this thing is much bigger. And so we've tried to create some of the questions that you may never ask so that you might find some of the truths that you would never find. Now... Just to conclude what we were talking about today, um, beginning around Genesis chapter 37 in in the Old Testament of the Bible, um, we have this amazing emerging story of of a people um, that we would now know as the children of Israel, the Hebrew people, the sons of Jacob, uh, who actually were entering a new place, but then finding themselves in captive to the very thing that once represented freedom and then facing the challenge of moving on to something they as yet did not fully understand. It's a great story. It, it's, you know, just reading it. It's, it's, one of the, it's the best great escape story probably that I've ever read. And um, um, the question becomes in that, one of, that some might ask here, what are we building as a community? What should we be building? And my question would be, should we be building anything? Is, is that actually the problem that we have become focused on? We should be building something. You see, when these people who were once free wandering because they were just 
pursuing a vision and a dream to discover who the divine had made them to be, when they finished up, and I'll, I'll, I'll mention this in just a moment, in this, in this land of Egypt, and then became slaves for 400 years in a place that initially welcomed them, became the very place of their slavery. Life has taught me that religion will always do that to you. It will first give you something that is very important, but if you don't understand what is happening, that will then become the very thing that imprisons you and enslaves you and prevents you from becoming anything more than a religious person with a religious belief in God. And somehow the reality and the beauty of all that's supposed to be these wide open spaces becomes lost and becomes strange to us. And um, the truth is, when they were in Egypt, these slaves were made to build the treasure cities of the Pharaoh and maybe involved in some of the pyramids. There are historic issues that some might say we don't know where this fits or whether it fits. Again, I would say I don't really care because the essence of the message of the story is bigger than the story itself. But one of the things that they would do back then is that in order to make bricks to build buildings, you had to use straw to strengthen the bricks that you would dry in the sun to build the buildings. Now, I find that interesting that just last week, we talked about the chaff and the seed. We talked about how for life to go on, the seed that has relied on the stalk and the kernel, which is the chaff, has to be freed from the thing that served it for so long in order that it might become bread to the eater and seed to the sower. If its life is to go on, if it is to produce life and give life and share life, it has to be delivered from the very thing that brought it to where it is. I think our religious journeys, our church journeys, our spiritual journeys can be very much like that. And the interesting thing is that the stalk and the kernel around the grain come to a point where they actually die, they become stubble. And so if you stay within the thing with which you were familiar and secure, the truth is you are wrapped around with death and there can only ever be one consequence and that is there will never be multiplication, there will never be breakout, there will never be life, you'll never feed yourself or feed the world. But what's interesting is the chaff, the stubble, that grain was the very thing that they used to use to make bricks. And only one thing happens when you make bricks. You begin to build something in which you will then reside and will not want to leave because of what it took to build the thing that you built. And so we finish up with synagogues and temples and churches we finish up with buildings and somehow then feel God resides within a building. And then in, in, in our own imagery of this, in our own analogy of this, we build the bricks with the straw of the religious experience we had and we build walls in our hearts and we build walls in our mind and we create within us something that is solid and unmovable. But you see, the whole point of leaving the shores behind, the whole point of discovering and exploring and finding the new world is that when you get there, you don't start to build buildings, otherwise the very purpose you went to that place has been lost instantly because all you'll do is turn it into what it was that you left behind. 
And religion and Christianity has had a bad habit for the last 2,000 years when it finds a new understanding of God, when it finds a new place, when it finds a new release of beginning to build something that was then a rigid structure that then we feel we have to stay within the structure and then it becomes what it was that we were leaving and we live in the same bondage, the same captivity, the same issues, the same problem, the same dogmas and never get free and then we become the very people who criticise others and we become like Pharaoh rather than Jesus who wants to bring people into the captivity of a system rather than releasing them to the life of the breath of God and seeing what comes along with that. Straw for bricks is not required for true pioneers. The chaff of what brought us to this place is not required for what it is that we are doing. If you're on a journey, you can't build anything permanent. So don't expect us to build something permanent. Because we're on a journey. Now, let me say this just as I begin to bring this through to a conclusion. I believe that faith is a lost discipline for most of us in life. You see, faith has nothing about which it can be certain other than the word that it had to go to a place that you would one day possess that you don't always know where it is or what it is, but faith goes anyway because faith only exists in the space of uncertainty. It cannot exist where any essence of certainty remains. And so when we talk about the Christian faith, we're not talking about the Christian faith, we're talking about a Christian belief, which is a very different thing. And I appreciate that, and a a Christian belief is a good thing. But don't call it the Christian faith unless you are a person who's willing to step into the uncertainty of new discovery. See, I've contended this for half of this year. That one of the big subjects we like to get a hold of is we all want God, whoever he is, whatever he is, wherever he is, to set us free. And give us the freedom to be who we really are but it works the other way we need to set God free to be who he really is in the way that he really wants to be and the church is often obsessed with us getting free rather than saying why don't we just let him let the divine let God let the creator let the Abba of Jesus why don't we let him be free from our preconceptions and our misconceptions and our dogmas and say we're not going to build those walls around but we are going to freeze ourselves from those walls and we're going to be those pilgrims that find something new you just might meet the Abba of Jesus, when you do that. Faith is something that we're all going to need if we're going to continue in this journey. Now, just a couple more things I need to say. One is this. If you read this amazing story from about Genesis 37, you will find that these children of Israel, these Hebrews, they were welcomed into the land of Egypt. In fact, they were not only welcomed, but they were blessed in the land of Egypt. They were provided for. They were given space and land and finances. They were helped. But you see, most captivities are the result of staying too long in the same place. They were in a place that blessed them, but they stayed too long. 
And the place that was their freedom and their blessing became their bondage and their hindrance. And spiritually, if you stay in the same place for too long, the place that was once your freedom will become your bondage. Now in that story, of course, there's the plagues and there's the issues and the desire for Pharaoh to let them free. He's, he's the baddie in the story, okay? Pharaoh, let my people go. It's a great classic story. And uh, one of the things Pharaoh said, which is worth a mention, is Pharaoh, when he was kind of thinking, well, I'm getting a lot of grief here, I really should let them go. One of the things he said to them, he said, look, why don't you go out into the desert, worship your God, and then come back? Or in other words, okay, I get you. you, you you're, wanting to, you're wanting to go somewhere. You, you're wanting to move on. You're wanting to do something different. But, but don't go too far. Just, just do a bit of that and then come back here. If they had done that, they'd have been in bondage to this day. And if we don't go far enough, we'll never become who we have been called to be as Q Church. How many of you have ever heard the phrase, leaving for good? Again, that's one of those misused, distorted phrases we have in the English language because we always use it in anger. Right, that's it, I'm going, and this time I'm leaving for good. You missed the point. See, the word good is in there. This is supposed to be a positive decision that is not driven by pain or hardship or difficulty. It's about, it's about the, the, the vision and momentum that says, I'm leaving for good. Not, I'm leaving for good this time. I'm leaving for good. We are leaving what we have left for good. Yes. Because what we are leaving to is good. And so any of you think we're just going into the desert for a little shindig and and then we're coming back. The truth is we are leaving for good because I believe there is goodness and mercy and kindness in where we are going. Let me say this one last thing. I'm not asking you to have a belief in what we're doing because a belief is something that you hold. I'm asking you to have a conviction about what we're doing. Because the difference between a belief and a conviction is a belief is something that you hold. A conviction is something that holds you, that will take you through the hard miles. It will take you across the sea when you can't see anything but water until you see the smudge that becomes the land, that becomes the new world that you were looking for. That can only be driven not by belief but by conviction. I pray tonight that a conviction will hold you. That we as our peace, we're not the be-all and end-all, we're not the only group of God-lovers and Jesus-worshippers in this city, but we in our peace, we in our role, will be held by a conviction. And that conviction is that if no one else will go on the quest, we will do it. Thank God for everybody left behind in England when Walter Raleigh went on his journey. But thank God for the Walter Raleigh who went to look for the new thing so everybody could be blessed. And you might be just as blessed as the people were when he came back. You might get potatoes and tobacco. <laughs> Which doesn't sound much to us, but it was a lot to them. But I think there's something better than potatoes and tobacco that lies on this quest. 
of where we set God free to be who he is and we're willing to sail for those new lands and say, help us, help us, help us. So Father, I just ask that you'll help us as a people to go where we need to go, to be who we need to be and not to make the mistake of using the stubble of our past experience to bake bricks, to build a new temple and hold us where we should not be when all the time we should be on the pilgrimage following you to where you're leading because that's always life and that's where we want to be. Thanks for listening to another Q York podcast. If you've been inspired by what you've heard today, then why not email us at info at qyork.co.uk and let us know who you are and where you're listening from. We love that you're listening to us and we'd love to hear from you too. Did you know you can also watch all of the talks from Q on our YouTube channel? Just go to youtube.com forward slash qchurchyork. We look forward to having you with us again soon. Until then, enjoy the quest.